Tonight, we're going to deal with walking in wisdom. We're going to talk about that, this, this statement, my son, and what that means and how we have a responsibility as parents to pour into our children. So we start at Proverbs, the sixth chapter, verse number 20. And the text says this, my son, keep thy, command, keep thy father's commandments and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. Verse number 23 says, what read together. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life or the way of life. Amen. Praise God. So uh, we're going to move into this uh, part of the text. And that 23rd verse from the NLT says, for their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. Now, as we continue to extract some wisdom uh, from the book of Proverbs for our daily living, tonight we're going to see what lessons that we can glean about the proper instruction of our children. Now, when I say this, uh, understand something. Even if you don't have children at home now, you have adult children, or maybe you don't have any biological children, but uh, you're an auntie, or an aunt, I mean, your uncle, or what, uh, uh, a person who has influence over somebody that's younger than you, uh, this is for you too. Uh, because I think that uh, so many times uh, we make the mistake of thinking that when our children get in their 20s, they'll get, I'm through with you. Go on about your business. Do what you want to do. Uh, but what I've discovered, just like I discovered in my own life, there's a whole lot of stuff that I didn't know in my 20s, that I didn't know in my 30s, and having a, a solid, uh, wise person to counsel me would have been, uh, been very beneficial to me. And so I think that it's crucially important for us to position ourselves and to build solid relationship with our children, our, our, uh, our nephews and our nieces so that we can have an opportunity to pour into their lives. Amen. Uh, because this is critically important. Uh, we, we're going to consider some of the basic principles involved for a Christian in the rearing of children. In, in the Bible, the Lord has made it clear that we are not only to heed and obey his commandments, to us, but we are also to teach these commandments to our seed. Go with me, if you will, to uh, Deuteronomy chapter number six. And we'll begin our reading at verse number one. Deuteronomy chapter number six, verse number one. And we'll read that from uh, the King James Version of the Scripture. Uh, but I want you to see it and hear it real clearly what God tells his ch- chosen people, Israel. He tells them this as he's leading them into the land of promise. Amen. Because he doesn't want them to forget who it was that got them to where he's taking them to. How many of you know sometimes if you're not careful, you'll forget who blessed you to have what you have and to be where you are. You, you'll forget it was the Lord that brought that promotion on that job. And you begin to think it was you and your skill sets and your experience that caused you to get this. And so as God is preparing to lead them uh, into the land of promise, he wants them to not forget certain things. And now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Verse 2 says what? That thou mayest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be what? Prolonged. Verse 3 says what? Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with thee and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that does what? Floweth with milk and honey. Now he's reminded them that that I I want you all and I need you and I'm commanding you to do the things that I've told you and commanded you. Look at what the text says in verse number four. Let's read together. It says what? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? Is one Lord. Verse five, let's read. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Verse 6 says what? And these words which I command thee this day shall be where? In thine heart. Now watch what he gets ready to say here in verse number 7. Let's read. And thou shalt do what? Teach them diligently unto thy children. 
and shall talk of them when thou sittest in the house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Back up. Back up. Let's look at it one more time. Thou shalt teach them how? Diligently unto thy children. Now, guys, I want to tell you something. Here's what I'm discovering uh, in Christian families today. Uh, Christians are bringing their children to church, but they're not taking the time to pour into them at home. People are coming to church as families, but because we're not spending the time to pour into our young people and to and to have conversation about what God is doing in our life, what God wants to do in the family's life. What we what's happening today is, is that is that uh, you, you got you got young people now who are going away from the church, detaching themselves from church, saying stuff that church is no longer relevant. Are y'all listening to me today? And I think one of the things that's also hurt is all down through these years when we've had church in such a way where where, where the, the systematic teaching of God's word has not been the protocol of many of our churches and many of our churches have been entertainment centers. Can I get a witness? And even the preached message on Sunday is all about the gravy at the end. He get ready to close now, Doc. Bring it. And so we, we, we look for, we, we've had all of this and because we have not had fundamental teaching and discipleship going on, now all of this crazy doctrine is out there now causing people to, to, to doubt the validity of the scripture as it relates to, to us as a people is now infiltrating our young folks. And so we got to do a better job of discipling, being discipled ourselves, but also discipling our children that, that, are, that are growing up in our families. He says, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou rises up. Sound like you need to be talking about this all the time. Yeah. Did you get that from that? Yeah. It means that there should be a constant, a constant and consistent pattern of pouring into our children the things that God has done in our lives and what he's trying to teach us about living this Christian life. We got to, we got to, we got to uh, transfer that to our children. And thou shalt teach them diligently our children. Verse number eight, let's go. It says what? And, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be f- as frontless between thine eyes. He keeps going. says, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into to the land, which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not. In other words, God said, I'm going to give you some stuff that you didn't build. But because you're my children, every place your foot tread upon is yours. I'm going to give you some towns that you didn't have anything to do with building. But because you're mine, I'm blessing you with it. And houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Now watch this. He says, when, you, when you've eaten and gotten full. Now, that's a, that's a problem a lot of us have. When we eat and get full, <laughs> we, we let go of everything. He says, when you eat and get full, then be aware, watch this, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He says, while I'm giving you all this, and while, while you, you got cities that you didn't build, you got houses that, that, you, that you didn't build, you got, you got uh, wells that you didn't dig, I'm giving that to you. And when you get full, when you get, when you get, get satisfied, don't forget it was the Lord that brought you out from bondage. Well, look at, look, look at what it says here. Verse number 13, let's read it. It says, what? Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall, shall swear by his name. Text says, you shall not go after other gods or the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest thy, the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. 16, let's read. <clears throat> I tip the Lord your God as you tipped him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. Verse 18. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. 19, let's read. To cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. Verse 20. And when thy son, watch this now, he's going back to it because in this chapter he's, he's emphasizing that 
We have a responsibility as parents to teach our children the ways of God. When was the last time your child heard you tell, tell them about what the Lord is doing in the family's life? When's the last time your child heard you say uh, that the Lord has blessed the family to be able to do this or to be able to accomplish this? He says, and when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? 21. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Amen. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, upon all his household before our eyes. 23, last verse. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. How many of y'all the Lord brought you out to bring you in? Can I get two witnesses up in here? He brought you out of your stuff to bring you in to his house. Amen. He says, and he brought us out from this that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our father. He says, I want you to be able to communicate the testimony to your children. So teaching our children is critically important. Amen. The Lord has told us uh, to fill our children with the word so that when they go out into the world, out from under our influence and out from under our control, they will be kept by that word that we put down inside of them. Now, how many how many parents have experienced this? And it's somewhat, it can be somewhat intimidating when your children get to that they graduate high school and now they're ready to go off to college or go to the military or, or, or you know, go to trade school or get ready to move out. And, and you've been used to having them up under you. Right. You've been used to them being there where you had an element of control over them to a certain degree. And I think most parents didn't have as much control as they thought they had. Because how many of y'all know that that children do some stuff that you didn't know that they were doing? How many of y'all were children before? Yeah, all of y'all in here were, right? And how many of y'all were slipping and, and, and moving into an arena that mom and dad didn't know anything about? Oh, you don't want to talk to me tonight. You don't want to talk to me tonight, now, do you? You, you, were, you were in the midst of doing some things that, that they didn't know anything about. But, 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 by, but by and large, when you were in their house, that was an element of control that they had as far as rearing you and making sure that there's certain things that you didn't do in that house. Is that correct? But now when they get ready to move out, there's a sense of, uh, of, of, of fear and anticipation that will they follow the things that they've been taught? Will they apply the principles of God's word in their individual lives as they now move out on their own? And so we got to trust that the word that we put down inside of them, amen, will take root and, and, it, and they will keep that as they go about, amen, doing their daily um, uh, chores. So we need to Study the word of God with our children and have family devotions and have prayer time with them and have time where they can share and we can share with them about what God is doing in our life. We got to be diligent to see that the word of God is ingrained in our children for it is their guarantee of a happy and successful life. We got to give it to them. I like what Joshua 1 and 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I'm going to meditate therein day and night, observing to do according to all that's written therein. Then I'll make my way, my way prosper. Then I can have good success. But the word of God has to be down on the inside of us. So, so let's get, let's get to this, this next part. Part B, we talk about the builder of the family name. Uh, get back to Proverbs 6 and look at verse number 20 through 23 with me right quick. Let's go back there right quick. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. In verse, in verse number 20, look at verse number 20 of Proverbs 6. Glory to God. It says, my son. That phrase, my son, is found 16 times in the book of Proverbs. And that's because Proverbs is instruction to our children. My son, my son. Uh, verse 20, the B part. Uh, in, 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 uh, he says, my son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. See, Solomon, who's a writer here, learned his wisdom at the feet of David and Bathsheba. That was his parents. And that's why there are so many admonitions in this book to listen to the teaching of your mother and the instructions of your father. Solomon knew, guys, uh, the value of parental guidance and counsel. That's very important because so many times uh, I don't know where this comes from, this mindset that, well, I'm just going to let my child make up their mind what they're going to do. 
I mean, when they get to be 16, 17, well, you know, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, they got their phone, they got their room, and I don't, I don't invade their privacy. I just kind of let them have their way. Listen, they need guidance. Are y'all listening to me today? There is so much that's out there that's vying for the attention of our young people. And as parents, we cannot be uh, absentee as it relates to pouring into them the principles of God's word and letting that word begin to, to have a place where it can resonate on the inside. I don't care if they sit there and act like they ain't listening, but you pour into them. Because I promise you there's going to come a point in time when the words that you speak are going to come back and resonate strongly in their spirit. But we got we got to make sure that we pour into them. And so Solomon here, amen, uh, knew the value of that parental guidance and counsel. He had sat at the feet of his own parents and learned directly from them the word of God. And he had found that the word was true. Now, to the ancient Hebrew, look, look, it says my son here to the ancient Hebrew. The term son meant builder of the family name. Everybody say builder of the family name. Go to Proverbs 22, verse number one with them right quick. Proverbs 22 and one. How many of y'all know that in particular in this uh, culture at the time this, this scripture was written, it was uh, a woman, a woman who failed to have sons was kind of looked down upon in society. Are y'all with me? Because sons were considered to be more valuable. To be quite honest, than 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 little girls, and so because the son is going to carry on that name, the son is going to be the one who was the heir apparent of the of the family heritage and take over for his father one day. So they were considered to be more valuable. Look at what the text says right here. It says a good name is rather to be chosen than what than great riches and loving favor rather than what. Let's read it one more time. It says what. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. How many of you know some people do not believe that? Some people would rather have great riches than a good name. But Proverbs says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than what? Silver and gold. Again, the ancient Hebrew term son meant Builder of the family name. Uh, again, sons, sons were carefully instructed in the ways and the value of their father because they were seen as the future standard bearers for the family. Now, it's important, guys, that we teach our children that they are carrying on the family name. Now, I know some of y'all may say, well, but Pastor, my family name, you know, it doesn't carry very much weight. Where I'm from, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, we maybe look down upon. Listen, I don't care who you are, what, what kind of family you grew up in. You have a responsibility to care from from your level of influence and what you are right now, especially as a member of the church. You have a responsibility, amen, to carry on a name that for your family that, that will that will that will that will pro- project Jesus Christ being the Lord in that family. In other words, you have a responsibility to to stand up and 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 represent Christ. To your family. You have a responsibility to stand up and represent Christ. Amen. To all those who you come in contact with. So carry on that name. Son uh, was. The, when it says my son here. That's critically important. Because he, that meant the builder of the family name. Building a name never stops. It never stops. We ought to always be con- cognizant and aware of the fact that we have to represent Christ Day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, second after second. We must take what our parents built into us and build upon that, passing it on to our children. Just like in Deuteronomy, when they were told, you, you, you write on the doorpost of your, of your house and you sit down and you teach it to your children. This is critically important. Now, again, when I sit back and I think about it, and if I were a betting man, a lot of us are sitting here and we don't have these type conversations with our children. You got to talk about more than, you know, what kind of job you're going to get. You got to talk about more than who you're dating, who you're going to marry. You got to pour into them spiritual truths because that's part of our responsibility as children of the kingdom uh, of the kingdom of God. He tells us to pass it on. Amen. Everybody say pass it on. 
so our children can in turn pass that spiritual heritage on in their lives. So let's talk about the way of life right quick. It's the next part of the outline. Now, again, remember, uh, remember uh, that word wisdom we said uh, we first started this teaching had to do with pounded it in. That was a Hebrew word. It was what? Chakma. Y'all remember what chakma? It means to pound it in. We, we talked about the fact that it's sort of representative of how we learn our, uh, our, our multiplication table. We have to constantly put that in, put it into remembrance so that nowadays, 30, 40, 50 years later, you still remember that. Pounding that in. Amen. Wisdom doesn't just fall upon us like rain falling out the sky. Wisdom has to be searched for. Wisdom has to be constantly poured into us because we have a tendency in our our own fleshy nature to, to not walk in wisdom. We have a tendency to do things that goes against God's revealed will for our life. So it comes, uh, wisdom comes as a result of continually applying ourselves to the word of God. That means that I have to constantly put the word before my face because if I don't constantly put it before my face, then I'm more than likely going to do something that goes against what the word of God says. Are you just like me? I want to know if anybody else is like me. If I don't keep the word before my face, I could easily get in my flesh. I, I, I know you say, come on. I know you speak in other tongues. I know you sing in the choir. I know you usher on the usher board. But if you're not careful, if you don't keep the word before your eyes, you'll get fleshy in a hurry. Come on, saints. And truth be told, we're, 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 we're 11 days into the month of March, and some of y'all look like you've been fleshy for a while. You got into your flesh. And we just 11 days into March. So, so we got to make sure, guys, that, that we keep the word of God before our face. Let that word, uh, the wisdom of the word be pounded in our hearts. Go, go, go into Proverbs 1, uh, uh, verse 8 and 9. Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9. Chakma, that means pounded it in. Constantly getting the word. Because, guys, I'm telling you, the more I'm, I'm, I'm observing, the more I'm hearing, there is a... a there is a dangerous affront, move affront out there in society to discount the church, to discount the word of God, to, 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 to say that Christianity is holding us back. There's some dangerous stuff out there and some of our young people are listening to this stuff. So that's why it's critically important that we teach that we have a doctrinal foundation, that we let the word of God, amen, solidify us in our Christian faith so that nobody can just come along and tell us some junk that, that don't, don't amount to anything and, it, and it's, not, it's not really in line with God's will and we accept that stuff. Are, you, are y'all tracking with me today? Watch what the text says here. Come on, let's read it out loud on purpose. Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9. Let's read. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not... The law of thy mother. Verse number nine. Let's read together. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about their, thy neck. Thy neck. Now in this passage we see that the builder of the family name is admonished to heed the instruction of his father. Instruction literally means discipline. Everybody say discipline. The word law in this passage refers to teaching. So here we find the principle that's repeated throughout the book of Proverbs. The mother teaches the children and the father disciplines the children. Now, this is very common because, you know, in, in this, agra- uh, uh, this agricultural-based economy at the time this text was written, many times the father was out working, doing, working the fields or whatever, doing whatever, and mother was at home with the children. So while mom is at home with the children, she's there teaching, and if there's something goes wrong and, 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 and the children cut up, then when dad gets home, usually what happens? Yeah, discipline came, okay? So the mom was teaching while dad was bringing discipline. That was customary during this period of time. Both teaching, watch this, teaching and instruction are needed to adequately train up a child in the way that he should go. The key word is discipline. Everybody say discipline. But there's a difference, guys, between discipline and punishment. And we got to know that. 
There's a difference between, hear me carefully, there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Look at your outline. Punishment is a negative action, often done in anger, amen, to repay wrong behavior. A parent, and I know we've used that term before, but a parent should never punish their child. Oh, did he just blaspheme the Holy Ghost? No, a parent should never repay their child for bad behavior. A parent should discipline their child because discipline is a positive action. And it's done what? In love to prevent or correct wrong behavior. So you never punish a child to repay them for wrong behavior. You discipline them in order to prevent or correct wrong behavior. Now, both of them may feel the same. But it, come on now, but it goes back to the attitude of your heart. See, when a, when a parent really loves their child, they, 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 they discipline them. They, they correct them. They, they come, they, they come, they, they discipline them and they, they, it's a positive action. They do it out of spirit of love because, because they're trying to prevent or correct wrong behavior. Children have to be taught how to do what's right. They don't have to be taught how to sin. Them little rascals, when they get to be two years old, it's very evident they sinners. Come on, I don't care how cute they are. If you don't do something about them, they'll be just as bratty as all get out. And then when you bring them around, everybody, oh. Show some love to your children by disciplining them. Don't punish them. Don't, don't do stuff out of anger, but do it out of love. Whom the Lord loveth, he does what? He chastened. Hebrews 12 and 6, y'all know it, right? The Lord never punishes his children, rather he chastens or disciplines them. He's doing it out of love, guys. And the same should be said for us. Uh, we, should, we should do it out of love with our children, our grandchildren, those who we have influence over. Um, we, we need to do it out of love. Okay? And, and it, let me say this. If, if you're going to let somebody or allow somebody or rely on someone to, to, to help you keep your children, then you need to release them to help you discipline your children. I don't believe in you can keep them, but you can't discipline them. You keep them right over your house. Because they're not going to, you know, they're, they're, come on now. You, got, you, have to, you have to use wisdom. So, but, so that means that, that we all got to be on the same page. It's not punishment, but it's what? Discipline. How many of y'all got physical whippings when you, when you grew up? Looks like every hand hit just by rape. Glory, did Mr. Child see ever? <laughs> uh, but, but, Guys, what we come to realize as the time went by that they were not doing that to punish us, but they were trying to correct the inappropriate behavior because they knew that if we continued down that road, it was going to lead to greater turmoil. And we really were going to find ourselves in a position or a predicament that that was not very good for us. So parents, we got to teach. Everybody said we got to teach. We got to instruct. We got to discipline. Now, the Lord will punish sinners. Look, look, look at Romans, Romans 12. Watch this. Romans 12, verse number 9. Pop it up right there. Romans 12, verse number 9. Glory to God. Let's read together. Let love be without dissimulation. A, a poor, which means to hate, that which is evil, cleave. To that which is what? Good. Go to the New Living Translation, that very same verse, if you will. Glory to God. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Always hate wrongdoing. Hate sin. Don't hate the sinner, but hate sin. And here's the thing, guys, that many people who may be living a sinful lifestyle can't seem to grasp or to understand that we as Christians 
can still love you and hate the sin that you're involved in. Because they think that if I call out what their lifestyle is sin, that I'm judging them and I'm hating on them. But no, as a believer, I'm very clear that I can love you but hate the stuff you're involved in. I can love you and not approve of your lifestyle. Are you with me today? But, but, there, but the world tells, tells everybody that where the church is judging and the church, you know, they won't accept me and the church is, uh, is, is, is being prejudiced. The church is being uh, uh, nonconformist because they won't accept my lifestyle as being normal, if you know what I mean. They, the, the church, the church is, is, it's not a place I want to go because they don't know what love is because they won't accept me for who I am. Baby, God never, amen, accepts sin. But he loves the sinner. And as born again believers, guys, we got to show love to those who may be in the lifestyle of sin because ultimately in order for that lifestyle of sin to change, amen, it ain't going to change just because we mad at them. It's going to change because we show the love of God. We don't compromise our standard, but we still can show love. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. Everybody said, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Now, that, that's, that's a little bit complicated for those who are not saved because they can't quite grasp that because they think you're rejecting them because you reject what they do. But you keep on rejecting what they do as long as what they do is, is outside the will of God. I don't, listen, I don't believe in compromising with sin. Now, again, by that, I mean giving into it just because I don't care if it's my son, my daughter, or whoever, or my wife, or, or me for that matter. If it's sin, according to God's word, it's sin. Amen? And if it's wrong, it's wrong. I don't care if whoever it is up in there, me included, if it's wrong, it's wrong. We're going to call it what it is. But we're still going to love you. We're not going to throw you away, but we're going to encourage you to adhere to what the word of God says, okay? Is everybody still with me? So he says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is what? Hold tightly to what is good. Now go, go back to Proverbs 1, verse 9 with me right quick. Come on. Bound by the word. Now I want you to notice, it says, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Notice that that instruction in law, which is law is the word of God, are pictured as an ornament on the head and as chains on the neck. Children need to have the fullness of the word on the inside of them. What we teach our children at home and in church is important to them because one day they got to go out on their own and face the world alone. Y'all realize that, right? This verse goes on to say that the word is like chains about the neck. The chains here in, in the Hebrew are actually chains of gold. That doesn't mean that the word will be just a decoration like a necklace around your neck. We put a chain around a dog's neck to serve as a leash, don't we? How many, how many of y'all have had a, a, a dog with a chain on, right? That chain is there to, to keep that dog from, from going outside of boundaries. Is that correct? Okay. We put that chain there to serve as, as a leash. That leash is for guidance and for restraint. What are the chains around the neck of our children for? For the same thing, for guidance and restraint. You got to place boundaries around your children. If you don't, they will go buck wild. How many of y'all grew up with some children who were buck wild? They had no boundaries. Didn't even have a curfew. And they did some everything. We won't always be there to lead, to guide, and control our children, but the word will be there. It will say what Isaiah 30 and 21 says. Go to Isaiah 30 and 21 with me right quick. Let's read that. Pop the Isaiah 30 and 21. So it's important for us to put the word down inside because there's going to come a point in time, I promise you, that what we're teaching here on Sundays and Wednesdays is going to get challenged out there. What you're hearing on Sundays here is going to get challenged at your place of employment. 
it's going to get challenged because somebody's going to challenge the word of God. The devil has been doing that ever since the creation in the Garden of Eden. He's challenging the validity of God's word. And that's what he's after. He's, he's trying to get us to doubt God's word. Look at the text. Says, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Look at what it says. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Walk in the word. The word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Let's walk in, in accordance with God's word and let's teach our children to walk in, in line with God's word. But guys, we can't do this if we're not doing it ourselves. See, one of the things that confuse children is this. If we come here and lift up holy hands and go back home and cuss each other out. That's, that's kind of confusing. They get that way. I thought mama, mama was talking about bless the Lord over my soul. And then when she came home, she was blanking the blank, blank, blank. You. That confuses your children. It confuses your grandchildren. It confuses your spouse. It confuses everybody. When we come here and we say one thing with our mouths and do something different at home. Guys, we can't do that. We can't afford. Now, nobody's perfect, but I'm talking about this lifestyle stuff. You is known for being hell at home. Come on now. We got to do better than that. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if it's you, stop being hellish at home. Okay? Just, just a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement. Now watch this. Last thing, and we're going to, on next week, uh, on the following week, we're going to pick up uh, on the blessings that come upon the person who does not forget the word. We'll look at those blessings in a couple of weeks, okay? Proverbs 3, verse 1. Go, go there right quick. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Y'all still with me? All right, now, we've got to teach it. Wisdom, we discovered when we first started teaching is that wisdom is the word of God. And Jesus is the word. So that means Jesus is actually wisdom too. And we know that wasn't anything made that was made except wisdom. Jesus was there to make it. Y'all remember when we first started that? We, 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 we went through the scripture and found out that Jesus himself was in the beginning. And wasn't nothing made except the word made it. Right? So watch, watch, watch this. My son, here we go again. My son the bearer of the family name, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Again, we find that expression, my son. This passage here is addressed to the builder of the family name. In it, the Lord is instructing us in what we are to teach our children, not to forget his law, but to keep his commandments where? In their hearts. Guys, Here's, here's one of the secrets to being able to overcome the devil and to be able to overcome the temptations of your flesh. Because all of us in here, um, whether we admit it or not, whether we raise our hand in the sanctuary or not, all of us in here face temptation. Just because you're saved don't mean temptation doesn't come. Huh? Am I right about it? Go with me, as a matter of fact, go with me right quick to, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians. I think it's where I want to go. Hallelujah. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians. Uh, go with me to chapter 10 right quick. 1 Corinthians 10. We'll, we'll look at, start at verse, um, start at verse number one, and we'll go to the New Living Translation. We're going to read a few verses, and we'll let you get out of here, okay? We'll pick up uh following week. Next, next week, guys, we're going to have uh, Wednesday in the Word, and Pastor Don Allison is going to come and share a word with us on our Wednesday in the Word celebration. As we, 
as we culminate 30 years of ministry here. Okay? Pastor Don Anderson is going to come and share a word. going to bring us a Bible study lesson on next Wednesday. Amen? At 7 o'clock. So make sure you come. Uh, if you want to hear a dynamic preacher, you need to listen to Pastor Don Anderson. Amen? Look at what the text says here now. Watch this. Because every last one of us in here have to be on guard daily. Uh, well, no, no, hourly. No, no, no. Every minute. Every second. Yeah, can we just break it on down? Every nanosecond. We got to be on guard because if, if we're not careful, temptation will overtake us. Are y'all with me? Okay, just because you, you've attended uh, uh, church every, every Sunday this year don't mean nothing. <laughs> Your flesh will rise up. Now watch, watch this. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Look at what he says. Verse 1, let's read together. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness longer. Isn't it, isn't it, it, do you find this uh, uh, peculiar that God constantly uses the children of Israel as a teaching tool to help us, amen, who are in the New Testament church to learn how not to do certain things, to see the dynamics between the relationship of the Father and his people. And we see that dynamic that God loved his people and he would deliver them, but then there were times God had to discipline his very, the very people who he loved. And just like you, you have people in your life, children in your life, who you have to discipline sometimes because you love them and you don't want to see them, amen, uh, you know, go astray. So I'm, I, I implore you, you know, exercise good biblical discipline with your children. Amen. He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry land. Testimony. Verse number two, it says what? In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. Verse three, all of them ate the same spiritual food. And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was what? See, Christ was in the Old Testament too. He didn't just come in the New Testament. He was before before there was an Old Testament. He was he was before he was here before there was the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. But he said it right here. That rock was who Christ Jesus. Verse number five. Let's read. Come on. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. We've been teaching on this for a while, haven't we? These things happen. Watch this. These things happen. These things happen, guys, as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. What did they do? Or worship idols as some of them did. What did they do? As the scriptures say, the people did what? What did they do? They celebrated with feasting and drinking. And they indulged in pagan reverie. Just wild parties. I wonder if we got any wild parties in the house. Watch what happened to him. Watch this. Look at that next verse. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 to die in one day. Oh, Lord Jesus. 23,000 in one day? Because of sexual immorality? It ain't that good. Did I shock y'all when I say that? Well, let me put it this way. Well, let me go. Let me kill. <laughs> it's not long lasting. And so I. <laughs> let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. Can we keep moving, y'all? See, now, see we got, I got to explain that. See, the, the Lord created section. It was good. But he had boundaries for it. I mean, it's the, the, we didn't, the Lord made it. He, he said, you understand it, don't you? <laughs> but he, he had boundaries, okay? All right. <laughs> Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake back. Don't tempt the Lord to God. Don't go out and jump in front of a Mack truck and tell my, I believe the Lord going to keep me. All right, we'll finalize you and we'll talk about your foolish decision. Don't tempt the Lord to God like that, okay? Watch this. And don't grumble as some of them did. 
Any grumbles in the house? Any whiners or complainers in the house? Deliver me, Lord, from whiny, piney people. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. Paul's writing to the church of Corinth and he's writing to us too as a member of the body of Christ. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So this, this stuff was written about Israel to warn us. Do you understand that? So let's learn from them. If God wrote it down for us to learn from it as a warning example, let's, by God, don't look at Israel and then just go and do the very same thing they did. These things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Look at the next verse. Watch this now. Watch this. Here's for all the proud folk who think that, that they're above falling. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. I tell you this before. Sometimes we can get confident in our own flesh and somebody, I, well, I, 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 I ain't going to ever do that. You don't know. Until you put to the test. Look at the next verse. Watch this. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. It just may be, it may be wrapped a little bit different, packaged a little bit different, but same old stuff. Ain't nothing new in the sun. Ain't nothing new in the sun. Maybe just dress a little bit different, but that's the same, same stuff. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. God is faithful. Watch this. He will not allow the temptation, come on, to be more than you can stand. Everybody say, thank God for that. When you are tempted, what will God do? He will show you a way out so that what? So that you can endure, so you can, you can pass the test. Now, now, here's what a lot of us have been guilty of. We haven't been looking for the way out. We close our eyes. I don't want to see. I don't want to see. I like right over here. I like what I'm feeling now. He says, when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Next verse. Watch it. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. 15. You are a reasonable people. Decide for yourself if what I'm saying is true. Y'all reasonable. Y'all hear me? Come on, let's the next verse. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread showing that we are one body. 18, think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? What, I'm, what am I trying to say? I am saying that food offered to idols has some significance. Oh, is it, am I saying, that's a question, am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? Look at the next verse. No, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons not to God, and I don't want you to participate with demons. You can't drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. The child catch that. So we, we got we to we we quit being wishy-washy. Next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, what? Do, 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 do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do, do, do you think we are stronger than he is? You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Watch this. Next verse. So, so you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. He's, what, guys, just, just, just as a nutshell here, he was dealing with the fact that, you know, there was, there was a dispute about whether or not you could eat certain meats. Meats that had been offered unto idols or not. You know, and that meat, that excess meat that was not um, uh, used in some of these idol worship was sold in the marketplace. And there are people who had legitimate, uh, uh, a conscious, uh, it, it was a self-conscious about eating that and they thought it was sin. It says, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, what does he say? 
accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. Let me put it in doorologists from if they ask you, if, if an unbeliever asks you to come home and eat and you, it's your opportunity to go and fellowship with them and share, don't ask them, did y'all offer this meat at the offer uh, of, of the great God of, of Budabala? <laughs> well, if you offer this meat at the great, for the great God of, of Budabala, the false God, I can't eat it. He said, don't even ask that question. Did y'all hear that? This is Bible. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. In other words, if there's somebody who's telling you that and they have a conscience and they think it's wrong, then don't eat it. Y'all follow me? Watch this. It may not be a matter of conscience for you. No, because you, 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 you're okay with eating it. I tell you before, I don't have a problem eating pork ribs. I'm not, but there's some folks who think it's a sin. But it ain't a sin to me. I'm just telling you. And if I get something that's good, what about Ruben? If I get something that's good, Ruben, I mean, I, I, I'll, drive, I'll drive a ways to get something that's good where the, where, the, where the flavor goes all the way down to the bone. Help me, Jesus. It may not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? That's what people are saying. If I can, if I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? All for the glory of God. Whether you, what do you choose not to eat pork meat? Do it for the glory of God. What do you choose to eat it? Do it for the glory of God. Paul just saying that you know, don't you know when, when it comes to this kind of stuff. He talked more about that in Romans. Don't let your liberty be an occasion to call somebody else to fumble and fall. You follow me? And if I had you know, I, even though I have liberty to eat pork meat, if I if I'm going to somebody's house, I know they think it's wrong. I'm not bringing a slab of ribs. Because I'm not going to ruin their conscience. Okay? So now, we're going to pick up next week, uh, the following week, and deal with these, the blessings uh, that come upon the person who does not forget the word. Because we've got to teach our children. And we're going to look at all those different blessings that come upon us when we choose to let that word resonate in our hearts and our minds. Is everybody clear? So we've got, we got, we got to do some teaching. We got to pour into our children. We got to pour into our grandchildren. We got to pour into our spouses. Amen. Let's walk in wisdom. Every head bowed, back close.